Hello friends, and welcome to Cell Poetry. Uh, this is, I think, probably the halfway point of episode four. I mean, sorry, season four. Uh, so we're on episode six. Um, and I am talking to a really, really wonderful person named uh, Bushra Rahman. Um, and she is a poet, a novelist, a teaching artist. Um, her debut collection of poetry, Mariana's Beauty Salon, was published last year around this time. Um, it is described as a love poem for Muslim girls, uh, <laughs> the neighborhood of Queens, and immigrants uh, making sense of their foreign home and surviving. Um, she's published a novel, uh, Corona, which is a dark comedy about being uh, South Asian American. Uh, and and I, I didn't know this, but this was really cool. That it was noted by uh, poets and writers uh, among the year's best debut fiction. And uh, her co-edited anthology, Colonize This, Young Women on Color in Today's Feminism, was chosen as Ms. Magazine's 100 Best Nonfiction Books of All Time, which is <laughs> really... <laughs> So, like, that's, because that's all future time, too. That's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of unfair. <laughs> um, and you have, well, Busher also has a uh, YA novel, uh, Corona Stories of a Queen's Girlhood, or, yeah, of a Queen's Girlhood, uh, which is forthcoming from Tor McMillan. Um, she's also the creator of the community-based writing workshop, Two Truths and a Lie, writing memoir and autobiographical fiction, which I'm... I'm curious about when you, so I'm, this will be yeah. sort of, um, full disclosure. I have not read, um, your poetry collection, but that's totally cool. <laughs> um, given the other things that you write, I'm curious, is your poetry autobiographical, um, or at least in part autobiographical? Um, yeah, well, double full disclosure. Um, <laughs> so for the audience, we um, we were at a writing residency together, and I think I was supposed to be a fiction fellow, but I ended up reading from the book of poetry. Yes, so that's right. You, you have did. heard it, even if you haven't read it. Okay. Um, and I totally tricked them and came in as a fiction fellow, and then um, <laughs> tried was trying desperately to finish this collection while I was there. So that was two years ago, and then this book came out a year ago, and it's okay you haven't read it because I've barely done anything with it since then. <laughs> but um, but so that's why I'm excited to talk. Um, it is it is autobiographical, and I think it's because you know thinking about some of the questions that you sent me, like why poetry and all these things. Like, I mean, to me, poetry is definitely a survival tool. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's like a way to just kind of release emotion onto a scrap of paper when like my head's about to explode you know it's a way to say all spill all my secrets when I have no one that I really can tell them to or at least when I was younger I felt that way um you know it's just a way to for a kid who doesn't have a lot of money to kind of create art you know because all mm -hmm. you really need is like a scrap of paper and a leaky pen and you can write poetry and so for me poetry was not even something I was writing for the world. It was, I started writing when I was, I think the first poems I remember clearly are from when I was 10 or 11. And and they were definitely things that I was doing in the moment to kind of occupy my mind, to distract myself from other things that were going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're, they're autobiographical. And then, and then what in my 20s, what happened was um, 
which I guess 10 to 20 is only 10 years, but it's a big <laughs> change. Um, in my 20s, you know, I, I was, I would feel, I, I'll say I'm lucky and unlucky that I grew up in New York City, um, in that I just found this amazing spoken word, you know, poetry scene. And I wasn't a slam person, but it was just, it was in the, it was the late 90s and it was really vibrant. And it was suddenly this place where, you know, people were coming together and being political and people who were, outliers and marginalized like um you know whether it's because you're queer or person of color or a runaway like it was you could take a stage and your voice could just be you know blown out of the microphone and I don't know there was just like it was really exciting and and it was a real you know and as flawed as community can be it was a kind of a place to create alternative family structures for many of us you know Mm. and so for me then poetry became uh, a place to then converse and share with people about our lives through the word, you know, through spoken word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was very, um, I guess, autobiographical in that way. And then the people, of course, I was meeting and getting to know there became characters in the poems, you know. <laughs> so then, yeah. um, that became autobiographical. Yeah, for sure. Huh. So have you... Hmm. Has since since the the being introduced and sort of like finding uh, a version of family in the like spoken word community has I guess maybe not has but how has your poetry shifted from then or I guess maybe another question is are you still actively writing poetry um, now I was hoping you would not ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, well, because partially I, I was just, uh, before we were recording, I was sharing how I've been working on this YA novel, which, and I was mixing my metaphors that it was both an albatross around my neck and like taking a huge dump, you know, so clearly I'm <laughs> rusty in metaphors. And uh, I think, you know, I, the YA has taken up so much of my mental space and its mm. prose. Um, and it is, but I still am writing it with a poet sensibility, like, um, every single sentence has to matter, you know, and every single sentence is polished mm-hmm. uh, to the point where the book is like three or four years late to the publisher, you know, <laughs> and I think they've given up on me. But, you know, um, but, you know, when I show them drafts, they're like, oh, OK, this is done. But we wish you could write faster. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I just think that there's a so I, I but I've been performing ever since the book came out. I've been uh, performing poetry and. That has been nice because I am getting to get up in front of audiences again and memorize the poems again. And a lot of the poems in here uh, were written over a period of 20 years. And so I actually think that the the last one, not the last poem I ever wrote, but the last poem in the book was 10 years ago, written 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, and I, I honestly can't wait to just jump back into poetry. And um, I am even thinking I just need to like, take a class or something because otherwise I'm I'm always working on the prose and I, I really miss poetry it's you know my first love and mm-hmm. to me it's so much more fun than writing prose <laughs> mm. in so many ways yeah so I like there was a oh I don't remember what season this was but it was I, I interviewed the um, the head of my MFA program and we were talking about sort of poetry in general and she made the point that at least for her poetry feels more like a 
like a way to live or a way of being um, versus necessarily like a thing that you do. And from what you've said or what you've been describing, it feels like poetry might operate in a similar way for you that even though you're not actively writing poetry, you're still very much engaged in the sort of like poetry. I mean, not poetry lifestyle as in, you know, like how, how blank lifestyle has, is interpreted nowadays, but that sort of like you are, you're putting yourself in the place and in the space of like poetic, I don't know, like contemplation or just that energy or just like that sort of creativeness. Cause I, I feel like the, where poetry comes from might be related to, but is a definitely is a definite, very different place than where prose comes from. Yes. Yeah. And I think, so when I teach these classes, which are about memoir, I primarily bring in poetry. Um, so I'm always devouring poetry and reading poetry, and I primarily still read poetry. Um, and so um, I, I think that there is this way that I feel that a lot of fiction the best fiction, some of the best fiction can be inspired, this is why I bring it for my students, uh, by by great narrative poetry, um, and even non-narrative poetry, even experimental poetry, and all the mixes in between. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think, um, when I was thinking about this interview, how another another kind of metaphor might be is like that scene in Shawshank Redemption, where I don't even know how he's digging himself out of that is it just with a spoon or a knife that he's just digging a hole out <laughs> of his prison cell? You know, mm-hmm. but I, I think for me, poetry is, was, was like that rope that just saved my life. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a, nothing in my life would be what it is if I hadn't started writing poetry, sharing poetry and, um, all the beautiful places I've been to in the world have been because of my, you know, <laughs> writing poetry and uh, so many of the amazing people I've met have been because I've written poetry. And I think that uh, the life I live now is so different than anything I could have ever imagined as a child. And it is because I somehow, a great teacher, you know, <laughs> introduced me to poetry and enough that I wanted to, to write it and read it. Um, and I think I had amazing teachers when I was growing up, even though it was a very under-resourced public school in, in Queens, I just think that the teachers there were just so amazing um, and really cared and about literacy and, and getting us to learn how to read. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So would you, I was thinking about this on, on my way home today. Um, mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself, so if someone, if someone asked you, like, um, like what, do you, what do you do? Would you use the umbrella term that you are a writer or would you like, do you consider yourself a poet that dabbles in other genres or? Yeah, I always say I'm a writer. I guess I always say I'm a writer. And I think even when I was a po- primarily a poet, I still said writer. And mm. I think it's because I always, um, I, you know, I also love reading novels and essays and I always imagined that I would be, working in all all the different forms you know I think that I was I was reading this I I always find it so odd that at MFA programs you can only study one genre because I feel that I I know it's hard to move between genres but I mean if one has a desire and a love for literature like it would make sense to want to try out different genres and 
you know, when you study visual art, you get to try different, you know, yes. different things. And yet somehow, like, we're only supposed to write in one genre. So <laughs> I, I do, um, I, I think that I, yeah, they're, they're all so different for me, but I, I do write essays and I write editorials and um, I write letters, I guess. I write grocery <laughs> lists. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I, I think that there is, I, I do say writer, um, and I think that's because maybe I do love the word write. <laughs> I, I think mm. that there is this, there is this part of me like I come from a background where not everyone was literate, you know, and so I think that there is a way that I understand the power of knowing how to read and write as such an essential power, um, and so it, I do, I do, you know, use the title writer with with pride. Hmm. I'll stop there. <laughs> well, that's 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 something that's always really interesting to me when I meet people who write more than one genre, and not only write more than one genre, but are like very good at writing in more than one genre. Because I'm like I consider myself a poet um, mm -hmm. because that is I have written other things, but most of it has sucked tremendously. Um, <laughs> And I, I You're being hard on yourself. No, no. Like uh, in in undergrad, and uh, I think maybe once or twice in grad school, I attempted to write like short story things, and it's just I don't. I've come to the conclusion. I don't know if this is a, an erroneous conclusion or not, but I've come to the conclusion that I, I don't know if my brain works in any other format other than poetry. That yeah. seems because it when. Um, when I think about stuff or when, when my thoughts come to me, it, they usually come to me sort of in the loose framework of a poem. And yeah. it's, either, it's either a poem or a screenplay, which is weird that screenplays are narrative, but they're, they're much more image and concrete based. It's like you're not really getting inside of the heads of any characters. You're just sort of, I don't know, it feels more reportage to me. Mm -hmm. And... At least the poetry that I'm writing now also feels like it is it's more on the sort of reportage or the observational side of things with some um I don't know, like internal dialogue, internal landscape things sort of injected moments injected in into the into the sort of like, oh I'm there's a tree happening outside right now. <laughs> um and like a bird in that tree and oh I'm I feel sad because I haven't talked to my brother in like a decade Aww. and then you know, and then moving on to something else but um <laughs> which I think is probably like when I when I personally discovered haiku it was the one of the best things for me because it was a way that like that's I have most of the time relatively small kind of incomplete but dis distilled down thoughts of thing about things and the haiku for me is like that's the the best way f that I feel like I can, uh, or that's the that's the most common way that information appears to me in my head. Um, yeah. But it's just it's 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 one of those I guess moments of professional envy when I look at so I have a, a very uh, close and dear friend of mine in Baltimore is an amazing poet and an amazing uh, memoirist and just non nonfiction writer in general. And it's just like, I, I'm in a writing group with him. And when he, like he submits poetry and then will submit 
a, a really fucking amazing essay. I'm like, I don't under, like, just how? How do you do both of these things? How can you think both in poetry and in long form prose? I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how, how people can hop from genre to genre like that. Well, I can tell you how I do it. I mean, I don't know how your friend does it. Um, <laughs> but I will say I really loved those poems that you read during our, our sit-down readings that we would have at oh, Vermont Studio Center. Um, and I, I love those. And I think that there's also something to be said about, like, if you're really good at something, like, just <laughs> go for it. You know, and I'm, I'm like, I, you know, it's about to be my birthday and I'm going to be 45. And it's like, at this point, it's like, Maybe the things I'm good at, let me just like <laughs> lean into them a little bit. And I and I do want to learn other things in other forms, like but I and I will, but I, I definitely like let me just do these things for you know, make sure I focus on them. And but you know, I for me, I can't mentally like jump from poetry writing to fiction writing. And I've been in this prose mindset for so long that I think I have to um I, I need to reacquaint myself with poetry writing again. But I I do think though that when I was trying to make the switch from poetry to fiction, which um, it, it was because I wanted to um, I wanted to just I wanted to tell stories too. I I I, I applied to MFA programs in fiction when I had I'd never written fiction before, and I um, you know I got into one and I spent it took me eight years to do. A, a two-year MFA program because I was trying to learn how to write fiction the whole time, wow. <laughs> you know, and I was, I was definitely that poet whose, whose work would be like, you know, critiqued and, you know, people be like, you don't really know how to write a story. And I'm like, I don't know how to write a story. <laughs> I'm try That's why I came to school to learn how to write a story, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think that I had to actually, take classes and learn how to do it and then um and even up even now i feel like i can only um I, the form i work in is like short stories you know um mm. i was i'm attempting to write a novel and it's just turning into linked short stories because and and i have to like when i'm like oh god i have to have continuity between chapters <laughs> like oh no like i and that's the poet in me that's just like wait it can't just like end like yeah. there has to be I, you know, even the end of the novel, my editor was like, so there's no ending. And I'm like, yeah, that's just, it just ends. And then, you know, again, that's just like how a poet would think, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's just like, that's a great last line. What do you mean? The book is over. And, and they're like, well, we don't know what happens to her. Like, like what happens <laughs> at the end, you know? So I think that there's still these ways that um, I, I very much think that I, like you said, I have this poet's mind. Mm -hmm. And so even fiction, um, the fiction reads like, like poetry in some ways mm. uh, and sometimes works or doesn't work I, I that's why i think it's kind of nice to mix between things but i would love to write songs or stand-up comedy and i think that if i go that way i'm gonna have to like again get back to the like studious kind of i'll have to study it again you yeah, know and yeah. then um but yeah i definitely felt like i had to like apprentice myself at um and i had some some great teachers too um Michael Cunningham was a teacher there at Brooklyn College at the time, and he was very helpful and very open to kind of experimental, experimental work. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> do you do you feel like like does poetry feel more in maybe naturally intuitive for you as a as a way to write? Like, did you did you ever put yourself through the a similar paces of of learning? 
or I guess like, did you ever have to like learn how to write a poem or like you did with learning how to write a story or did it feel like it, you sort of, it was more, you were more naturally inclined to how poetry operates? I, it was definitely more um, natural. I think you would understand that. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, no, I, I just think it was, um, one thing I loved reading poetry always, so I already had those rhythms. Like, mm. I grew up, um, I grew up in a religious Muslim family, so the Quran is poetry, and so I was constantly kind of um, reciting poetry and memorizing poetry, and um, even my facility for memorization comes from that. You know, have to memorize those verses, and I only know the Quran phonetically. Like, I never um, even read a. English translation until I was much older, um, and then I abandoned it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so uh, I, I think that there is a way that uh, those rhythms and those sounds and the beauty of it, because I think it's very beautiful when it's when it's recited mm -hmm. to me. And I then I saw the power of poetry. Like poetry was never an unimportant thing in my background and culture. You know, poetry is what it's all built around. You know, and even. Um, outside of religious stuff, you know, Urdu poetry is, um, my family's from Pakistan, like it's really, you know, and, and poetry hangouts and people reciting poetry or knowing poetry is just such an important part of the culture there. Of there. Um, and so there, there is a way that I, and maybe that's why it came more naturally to me. Hmm. And, and I think that I was always a diary writer and, and the kind of confessional poems I was writing, like naturally just kind of sprang from that, the, the key was then um, studying other work to see what to cut away, you know, um, because I will, when I write something, it will be pages and pages and pages, and then I will cut those pages down to like 10 lines, you know, and the, mm. the key is knowing which 10 lines to keep. And right. a lot of that has to do with the sound, you know, mm -hmm. of how it is. And so... Um, Oh, I'm missing it. Oh, maybe I'll write a poem and dedicate it to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and, and it's funny because the name of the podcast, like when I was, when you said to me, I kept, and I listened to some of the, the ones that you've done before, the pronunciation, I kept, it, I kept hearing it as like, so poetry? Yeah. <laughs> or so poetry. Or like, I love, it's a great, uh, it's great because you kind of <laughs> say it so many different ways. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is all, it is about the, the sound always, you know, so to me it is really about, I love reading poetry, but I, I also love hearing poetry hmm. I love hearing people read. Um, well, that, while you were talking about like the, the Quran, <laughs> I was thinking that, that you, you are, I feel like aside from maybe singing, I feel like poetry is, is probably as close as you can, you can get language to being musical um yeah and when you were saying that like you you learned it like the quran phonetically it's like you're really breaking you're kind of doing the work that that some poetry does is like you're breaking language down into sort into its sort of base units of sound and rhythm and mm -hmm. um that it, it becomes less of a um like a less of a thing that you understand with your brain and more of a thing that you just kind of feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so like, thanks for hearing that. And hearing, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that that really is, it is part of it. And sometimes I'm looking for us. I don't even know the meaning. I'm looking for a sound of a word mm -hmm. rather than a meaning. Oh yeah. There have been, yeah. there have been plenty of times and this was, this happened to me, I think for the first time, 
a whole lot. It, it, uh, before the Studio Center, um, this, this had happened to me a little bit, but in that month writing a poem a day, it really sort of yeah. came out that I would be in the midst of writing and there'd be a... I knew that a word, like there'd be a, a space, that there'd be some adjective or some word that needed to go somewhere. And I knew that it needed to have a particular sort of sonic quality. Yeah. I knew that it needed to have uh, maybe like one to three syllables. And I knew kind of what it, it needed to mean. So I went, I would, I spent probably countless hours on uh, thesaurus.com just <laughs> typing in words of things that's like, I think that this is probably like this is a word that is a, a synonym of, to the thing that I need, but I'm just looking, you know, I'm looking through all the different <laughs> synonyms and like, Oh, that's, that's the word that has the sounds and has the syllable count and has the right sort of, I don't know, like in like mental mouthfeel <laughs> to, yeah. to fit that particular line. And in it, cause any, any one of those words could work because they all technically kind of mean the same thing, but it like, there's a, there's a much, there's a much greater sense of, there's a feeling or there's an energy or there's a some sort of intangible quality that I can pick up somehow that I I don't know if I could relate to somebody else but it's like when I find the word it's like oh yeah that's exactly the word that I need to to fit here Um, right you want someone who doesn't even speak the language to be able to hear it and be moved I feel like when you write poetry yeah because there is this spiritual dimension to poetry that I think fiction not every poet wants to claim that spiritual dimension but there is like a spiritual spirituality to it you know mm-hmm. um and a feeling that comes to it and i think you know when it comes to poetry it's like we've been training our whole lives you know to say it comes naturally it's like we've actually been doing this since we were little and um mm-hmm. like I, I was just thinking this the other day because my daughter's learning how to read now and it's amazing to watch her learn how to read and i then i rem- i had this flashback that i actually taught my little sister how to read because we didn't go to school for a year and it would have been the year she ha- she was going to learn how to read. So I didn't want her to miss that. And mm-hmm. so I learned phonetics. Like I taught, I think I was 12 and I taught myself phonetics and I broke up all the word parts so that I could teach her how to read. Wow. And, and then I was like, I guess that was also poetry training, you know? Yeah. And then later I was like, oh, there is such a thing as phonetics. But I, I remember like kind of being like, how do I teach her how to read, you know? And, mm-hmm. oh, I have to teach her the sounds. And, um, yeah, no, there, there is a way that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> anyway, well, just I, just, as, as you were talking about, like, your, your daughter learning how to read, I, like, I, a, a close friend of mine, uh, his wife just recently had a kid and she's been telling me, you know, sort of like updates about what their kid is doing now and kind of he's now doing loose sentence structures. But thinking about how like how language develops for us or how we how we learn language when we're kids is that it's at first it's sort of sounds and intonations mm-hmm. and then slowly there's a there's meaning that is being associated with this particular sound that we can correlate yeah. like this sound means this or this grouping of sounds means this and i feel like like that to me is like that's all of those elements when you kind of break poetry down into its core those are the parts of it that it's it's sound being correlated with some image or some meaning that right. has a there's some there's some physical response that you feel when you hear or you see these words. 
mm-hmm. um, which I think is like I I never really would have put that together. I don't think had we not been talking about this that like that that at first mm. it's it's sound and feeling, and yeah. that's like that's the basis of language, and I think that's the basis of poetry too. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. Sometimes kids will just speak a, a kind of a babble that sounds like sentences. Because they're mimicking us, you know, yeah. they're like uh, mockingbirds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in a way, we are like mockingbirds and we, we're just, you know, gathering up all these things. And, and then when you say that about images, um, it is like, and then each image is like a code with so much meaning, you know. Mm-hmm. And based on what culture you are like drawing from, those different images have different code meanings for all of us, you yep. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is why it's so Im- difficult to translate sometimes. because. Oh, yeah. We're all coming to language, like our language is like this thing that we've, we're all creating together that's constantly being created. And so, and it's just culturally being created all at the same time. And so how do you then, um, how, poetry is like a, dis, distills it all down, right? Um, yeah. It's a, oh, you're making me just so excited about poetry. <laughs> um, and I miss these kind of conversations we, you know, we would have at the Vermont Studio Center. Um so it was a good place, good place. Yeah. But we were lucky. We were very lucky. We were a good group of people. Yeah, yeah. I, that was... <laughs> I think that that's probably, like, as a, as a single month, that was probably the most fun that I've had over the, <laughs> over the course of a single month. Maybe it's in my... Like, like, and not just... Because I imagine that I've had other months that there's been a super, super fun thing that has happened in that month. But to have that level of... Yeah that th- everything sort of oh. is sustained <laughs> throughout the right. month of June. Yeah. Yeah. It was really special. And, and I think, you know, that again, that's, is a gift that the poetry gave us, you know, mm-hmm. um, like we wouldn't have been there if we weren't following, like, because I, I know so many people who, you know, and as I get older and older, like they give up, you know, at some point mm-hmm. and they're just like, I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to, you know, and it's like, but I'm always like, but if you keep going, <laughs> You don't know yeah. <laughs> what could happen. Yeah. Um, it could be amazing. Um, yeah. As long as you don't care that much about money. That's yes. the only thing well, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. This, you know? <laughs> this actually came up in the um, the last conversation that I had that was with uh, Jane Ludy, uh like mm-hmm. two, maybe two weeks ago. The idea that like, at least in my experience, I don't know, from what the feedback that I've gotten to, to the other poets that I've sort of floated this idea to seems to, to back me up on this, but I'm open to debate. But anyway, mm-hmm. my general feeling is that it seems that by and large, the poetry communities that I've encountered so far have been, they lean much towards, much more towards collaboration than some of the, like the pros or uh, pros kind of in general communities that, that I've seen just because I, well, maybe not just because, but I think in large part because there's not really a whole lot of money in Mm. poetry in general. So there's not that, not that sense of everyone's competing for the same spots because there really aren't any spots. Right. So there's, there's a greater sense of, you know, like there's enough room for everyone or there's enough, there's enough, everyone is a different enough voice so that, you know, the audience that, that one person is going after doesn't really have any bearing with your audience. But if they get more people to read poetry in general, then 
the poetry that they might read would be your poetry. The, the whole sort of like mm-hmm. a success for somebody or a success for part of the community is a, is a success for the community mm-hmm. at large. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I've, I've encountered that and I feel like that is more true, at least for me personally, in the, the smaller poetry-centric communities that I've, that mm-hmm. I've been a part of or that mm-hmm. I've, I've had experiences with versus the sort of literary community at large, which is, I think in large part sort of uh, the focus is on prose writing or, you know, the New York Times bestseller things or mm-hmm. things that, can, that people can actually make a living doing versus right. poetry where most poets that I've encountered or that I've met are poets. And <laughs> you know, there's always, there's always that extra thing that they are doing. That is the thing that they actually do to, to make money and, to and make the money. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, <laughs> I have so many answers to that question. I don't want to put myself, I mean, part of me would be like, some of my best friends are fiction writers, you know, but I <laughs> just joke. I mean, they are, but, uh, but I, I will say that I think that partially maybe that was what was such a difficult, um, shift for me from when I went from this all poetry, um, oh, yeah. world into an MFA in fiction, um, it was a very different world. I mean, it was also um, racially very different and all those kind of things. You know, Mm. it was like a primarily white um, faculty and um, students. And I was part of this whole people of color immigrant scene in New York City, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was different. But I think that the money part was a big thing. Like everyone was trying to get an agent. Mm -hmm. Everyone was trying to get um but and i will i mean i will say that one of the reasons that i but so i think that maybe that is you know what you're making me think is like oh that was one reason why it was so different um but i mean at the same time i think that i made that choice to move to fiction because i knew that i wanted to be a full-time writer you know and i knew that i wouldn't i wouldn't i I do know well you know i know people who make money from poetry um but I, I also know that it's um, it is much easier to make uh, sell books of prose, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it it is inter- like I, I definitely feel like it was a decision that I made because I was like I, I I love I love teaching and I think one of the cool things that I I was able to do in New York City was I was always a poetry mentor. I was a teaching artist that went into the public schools, mm-hmm. um, and now I teach like my own writing class, uh, which I, you know, I've, there's flexibility and like when I hold it and who I work with. And, you know, I, I'm not like being forced on students in school who don't want to be there, you know, right. so there, there's, like, there's certain shifts that as I've gotten older, like there's energetically, I'm, I'm just like, I only have so much energy right. and I, I can't, I can't wake up and ride a subway for three hours and teach at a school in Staten Island. And then, come home and have a kid. I mean, so, so certain, certain shifts I've made. And so like the fiction was definitely a, a move of like, okay, I got to make more money because I, I actually at this point at my age, I don't really know how to do anything else. Right. <laughs> I don't have any other skills. Yeah. And so it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not something that like, I, I'm not, yeah. I, oh, I don't think you're, I don't think you're, um, I'm just saying that what you, what you're, I, I totally agree with you. And I wanted to just add that. <laughs> yes, I, I thank you. But yeah, I, I, I didn't. I feel like the times that I brought it up, and maybe I'd, I've never made this disclaimer. It's like I'm not. It's not a. It's not a judgment thing. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 really an observation. It's like, and I don't. I don't begrudge anybody. I mean, 
anybody that can make a living doing the thing that they are passionate about and that they love, it's like that's great. That's that's a again a sort of win for <laughs> for all of us. Um, but it's not fair, is it? You know, like why can't poets? Why that, I don't did know. Did I have to make that choice? Like now, if I think back on my young self, it's like I don't even know if I was like, okay, I'm doing this. But I think I somehow knew I had to, you yeah. know? Well, that was, and I was going to... sad. When you, <laughs> when, really you were, sad. when you were talking about, um, like we were talking about the, or you were talking about the Quran and the sort of like the, the poetry community of um, like Pakistan and, and people, people from there. I was, I was wondering, or I, was, I wanted to ask, and I guess I'll ask now, like, is, was that a, like a big shock or a big change for you coming from a community that, there's a certain value that is placed on poetry, like the memorization and the recitation of it, moving to a culture or moving to a country that has a culture that by and large, like regulates poetry to sort of vague academic status <laughs> or. Well, yeah. Well, it's no, and I, you know, I think, I don't think we've ever actually talked about my, my background or maybe we, I don't even know if we did, who knows we were having a lot of fun and, Vermont, but uh, I so I was born in Brooklyn and raised in oh, Queens. Okay, but I have lived in Pakistan and Saudi Arabia, and I did go to school there in Pakistan, not in Saudi Arabia. But I but I grew up in such a community that you would have thought I was in Pakistan. Like even my daughter, she calls it fake Pakistan. Like when she goes <laughs> to visit her grandparents, like I took her. It was like not until recently that she knew it was another place. Like. Mm -hmm. Because she just thought going to my parents' house was Pakistan, you know? <laughs> so, so, like, my parents created such a bubble. Um, but, but here's the thing is that my parents, because I think the shock was probably bigger for them because mm. they had to come here and be totally, mm -hmm. is the word mercenary? It's like, that word has a double meaning, right? It's like killing people, but also related to money. I don't know. I need to look into it. But, <laughs> like this kind of other kind of culture of just like you got to survive, you right. know, and mm -hmm. all the time for sitting around and reciting poetry was suddenly just like gone for them. So I think that loss was so big. And so it was um, so but it got it got it got it was saved when it came to the religious stuff, but the more like artistic stuff gotcha. they didn't get to enjoy and um became and I think in my community, like I didn't grow up in a I know that there's like this whole model minority myth about South Asian people and being doctors and but my family wasn't we weren't part of that um that class or that I'm sure they would have loved it if I had become a doctor, but like, but they, you know, they, but at the same time, they weren't even, they didn't, they just wanted me to be religious and be married and have children. You know, there was not like a, there was not, there wasn't that it was, it's, it's always been about the afterlife, you know, it's never mm -hmm. been about this world. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, that is what helps me be a poet <laughs> is that like growing up without a lot of money, never putting any kind of, um, you know, big thing on money until like I'm saying I made this choice and it's because I did break away from my family and my community and I had to just survive and I I wanted to have, you know, my own family and support them financially. So mm -hmm. I, I felt like, what? how can I do this? But I, I do think that it's, um, I think it's part of the, the killing of the soul of a country, I guess, when you do kind of like starve the poets, you know? Um, and it, and I think that what was coming up, 
Uh, so I never was part of an academic poetry world because I did my MFA in fiction and then also mm. I was part of the, um, the the New York City spoken world world and I, I almost immediately began teaching in the high schools as soon as I started um, writing. So I, I was I've been teaching in this public schools for like 20 plus years and so I was always working with like young people, you know, even when I was young, like I was like only a few years older than them, but I was like going into high schools, you know, and, and teaching. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but like, I think that there is a way, and that's thanks to some amazing organizations like Urban Word NYC and Teachers and Writers Collaborative and uh, Community Word Project. There's just like a really, a lot of really great um, nonprofits in New York City that, that make that possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that, I think I'm leaving the thread of the original thought, but yeah, it, it the shock, I think, the, the shock that I think I'll use, I like that word that you're using, is that I feel a, such a loss of something that I could have had, you know, um, mm. which was growing up um, surrounded by Urdu poetry. And one thing that I am doing in my fiction um, is I'm translating a lot of um, classic Urdu Bollywood songs <laughs> because the characters listen to a lot of Bollywood and so and the Bollywood of a certain time was all ri- was written by um, Urdu poets you know who were oh. uh, beautiful beautiful work um, so like movies like even movies that were very popular like like I'll name some so if people want to look at one is called Umrao John it's an unbelievable um, uh, book and it is about a woman. <laughs> who is learning poetry. Um, she's like a dancing girl, but at the time she also must be a dancing girl plus phenomenal poet. <laughs> so she's being trained to be a poet and uh, her poetry that she writes is beautiful. And the poetry was written for the Bollywood movie by a very famous Urdu poet of the time, whose name, I'm sorry, I do not remember, but like that's Bollywood, you know, you remember the actors and the mm-hmm. actresses, not the, um, <laughs> but uh, so I think that there is, there what I'm doing right now is I'm translating those and it's a dream of mine. Um, and I do think that's going to be the doorway back into poetry is mm. translating some Urdu poems or even popular Bollywood songs that were written by Urdu poets to get back into the zone, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, it'll help my language skills too, because they are, have definitely are suffering, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Long answer to your question. No, uh, that's seven thirty. <laughs> uh, we can talk for a little bit longer. Okay, sure. because yeah. there is there is one question that I yes. for sure need to ask. Yes. Um, which I guess we can get to now. Um, so this is something that I ask. I is now a tradition to ask all of my guests. Um, <laughs> if you have the vocabulary for it, okay. what is your internal landscape like? <laughs> So I love that question, and thanks for cueing me that you were going to ask. Um, I, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was just a grassy field, leading to like, an a river, <laughs> or a bay. I don't know if that's the answer or what the kind. Of, but like my internal landscape, like that's what I, I want it to look like. It's just a green grassy field going down to the water, um, whether it's a river or a bay or a sound or something. And so that's what my internal landscape looks like. I don't know if that's what the, that's what you're looking for. No, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> um, that, that but, is, that is an answer. That is actually, um, that's startlingly, startlingly close to what I view or what I understand mine to be. 
Oh, wow. Cool. Um, so for me, I mean, anybody who is, if there are any listeners out there that have been with, with me for a few seasons, I'm sure that you have heard this many times before. So I apologize. But um, mine is like South Dakota Prairie Badlands. Um, oh. Just like as far as the eye can see. Um, wow. With maybe like small streams or something happening in it. You know, like there's a there's a, a dell or like a little crevice in a small stream or something, but it is it is predominantly just like big old open prairie landscape. Amazing, very nice. It's it's um I yeah I was just like how do we answer that question? But that was the first thing that popped into my mind, and I think that when I was going through very dark times, like that would be my place I would go to you know mm. um, so I guess in my mind poetry is equal to one of the happiest safe places I go to <laughs> wow so when you <laughs> yeah. for, for your landscape do, do uh-huh. you view it as a like it is it is a a sort of a space inside of you that you can step into when you need to step into it or do you do you view it as like you yourself are the landscape and it's just like you were that grassland with the the dip down into some body of water i i always imagine that i'm i'm watching it i'm seeing it and and uh when i would have my my visions like basically like after i had my daughter and went through deep 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 like postpartum depression and Mm -hmm. you know barely survived it like my uh what i started to do was uh imagine this place and i would always imagine it with me and one of my best friends andrea and we'd be sitting on a porch and looking down at that landscape but i would be older i can't believe i'm telling you this this is like all secret stuff (laughs) um but i would be older and i was already a person who'd written these books that i still haven't written um and you know i just but we would be looking down on it and we would just be like much older and just kind of chilling out and you know interesting being old together (laughs) so it Wow. So in that in that way, it's almost like an aspirational place. Then yes. it's like this is wow. That's huh. yeah. And you know, weirdly, I've you know, I was telling you we moved. I, I don't want to say where I live exactly, but we moved to a place where it looks like that. And uh, the first time I saw it, it's not exactly because it's much more crowded and urban than, mm-hmm. than like my vision, my dream, but. But it is, you know, we do live near the Hudson River, and um, it is a little bit like that. And it's just like, whoa, <laughs> this was that place that I was thinking about. Um, but you know, I do think that when we write poetry, we do touch magic sometimes, and magic happens. And you do, you know, who knows? You might have intuitive ideas, and then you know, there's all kinds of different understandings of how time really works, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Maybe it was just kind of a seeing into the future, and um, mm. but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But but I I do think um, you've inspired me to write some poetry. Ooh yay! Do you have an exercise for me? <laughs> um, no. Like, wait, maybe I should give you an exercise then. But I do have. We'll trade I... exercises <laughs> over email. I do have. Yes. I do have one last question for you. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to ask me? Yes. Well, I, I did ask you beforehand, like how your writing is going. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to hear that you're working on a collection. Yes. And your press is going well. You've been publishing books. But yes. how is this collection? Is this the collection, the poems that we heard two years ago? Is it all? Is it haikus? 
Um, does it have imagery in it? Um, so it... the the collection that I'm currently working on is something that is separate from the poems that I wrote at the Studio Center. But I do have a plan for those poems. Um, when had I had I done something with them more immediately after the Studio Center, I feel like I could have published them as as they were, like as the thirty-ish poems that I wrote while I was up there for a month. But now that it's been like two years later, um, I I feel like I, I don't know if anyone really would want to read a, a poem or a collection of like thirty Vermont poems. Um, of course they would. <laughs> but <laughs> when when I was writing those poems, um, I read them. I like them. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, like my uh, my brother unexpectedly showed up in a number of them. Um, and there was lots of like preoccupation with writing about moving water and writing about like the river that that flows through Johnson. Um, and I was thinking that that there's obviously things related to my family and related to um, like New Orleans. I, I was born and raised in New Orleans. Um, uh-huh. So things that I've thought that I have I had dealt with or that I had I gained some ground and some recovery of. And from that, I think is still kind of churning around inside of me. So there is a uh, a New Orleans writing residency that um, I would really like to do and spend essentially like the however long that residency is doing the same thing that I did in Vermont, like writing a poem a day, but making them sort of in response to the Johnson or maybe not in response to, but in conversation with the Johnson Vermont poems. Um, yeah. as a sort of like weird bookendy thing. Um, yeah. But the uh, the collection that I'm working on right now is definitely very uh, image-based. Um, they are... I, I, I got into this last episode a little bit too, that they are... Um, I'm describing them as bird poems that aren't actually bird poems. Um, <laughs> so every, every bird or every poem is titled a different bird and the the poem that follows from that title is a sort of emotional rhyme or emotional echo of whatever it is that I think of, like whatever emotion I get when I think of that bird, that's sort of what the poem, like oh, it's the, amazing. The, the emotional center of the poem, but they are predominantly about sort of the exploration of um, what it means for me to be, to identify as a gender, but be in a um, like biologically male body in the sort uh-huh. of navigation of like I don't know, like <laughs> I don't know what this means. Um, yeah. And in a in a weird way, in thinking, I mean, I this this felt like an inevit- or this seems like an inevitability to me. I don't know if this seems like it would be an inevitable for everyone else, but um, like contemplations of death have started creeping into a lot of those poems. Um, which I attribute to one thinking about the body and the sort of, you know, logical extension of at some point my body will not be here anymore. Um, And uh, about a year ago I moved uh, apartments and I now live directly across from a pretty sprawling uh, cemetery. (laughs) Um, And the, the wall that faces the cemetery is nothing but windows. So, when I'm hanging out on my couch, I, I just see a bunch of gravestones. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So I, I'm attributing those two factors as, um, or those two things as the reason that death, or the contemplations of, of death, and sort of um, that creeping into into those poems. 
into that collection. Um, but I don't wow. know. It's it's also like I love that. There's a lot of um, so I I grew up Christian and then was very vehemently evangelical Christian for almost a decade, um, uh-huh. and there are still there's still like lingering. I guess like emotional trauma and spiritual trauma that I'm, I'm trying to navigate from that. Um, mm. and thinking about sort of my relationship with God or what I, what I thought of as God when I was Christian and sort of my relationship to more or less just spiritual things in general now and the sort of the distance and the, the uncertainty that I feel and the, yeah. um, cause that's, that's something that, that comes up a lot in those poems is just sort of speculation of like, I used to, I, I, that the feeling of, or at least I hope this feeling comes across of when I was a Christian, I knew for sure was what was going to happen when I died. Mm-hmm. And then when I left Christianity, I said all of the, all of the certainty and all of the, the assurance that I felt in that suddenly evaporated. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a, a, a place of, I honestly have no idea. Um, yeah. And the sort of exploration of like, well, what is, what does that mean now? Or like, well, then like, how, how can I, like what, what positioning and and what relationship can I have with like death as a part of life? If I don't know, you know, what's going to happen next mm. afterward. I don't know. So that's, that's sort of, that's currently wow. kind of what I'm, what I'm rec- wrestling with and what I'm dealing with. And I, um, it was originally going to be a chat book, but I, I keep adding birds that I need. Yeah. I'm like, I see a bird or I think about a bird. I'm like, yeah, I could write a poem about that. So it's it's been it's been slowly growing. Um, oh my god, I have so much to chat say after that. I can't <laughs> believe we never, or maybe we did talk about this. I mean, we we should have another talk about this because I think that's you know I grew up very religious Muslim and I was a believer. Mm-hmm. I was a deep believer. I believed in God, the afterlife, all of it, until. I was 18 or maybe even later I gave up and it is so odd to not have that and to now have a child right? and be like, well, wait, yeah, I, how can I give her some kind of thing? Because I do feel that those conversations I would have with, you know, with Allah, with God really sustained me growing up. And, yeah. and I think one of the reasons why the YA is so hard to write about is I am writing about a Muslim girl and I have to, go back into that believer self um, wow, who I wow. was. And, and yeah. basically all the scenes take place at religious events, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is about like getting, feeling more and more uncomfortable with the religion and having questions, but still talking to God about the questions still, you know, and yeah. not like giving up. Um, but I have a few things to say, and then I feel like we should just book another conversation <laughs> to just talk about our religion and and what it's like um but i want to add two things just to share is one if have you seen amazing grace yet the aretha franklin documentary no i have Uh, not oh my god it's i don't know if it's still in theaters it might it's just leaving theaters now in in new york um but it is about her um i mean i felt you know when we talked about professional jealousy i always feel like i have spiritual jealousy of people who (laughs) still have faith you know Um, yeah but it's it's her going back to the baptist church and singing these the the gospel that she grew up with um and it's just like it is a spiritual experience and and those aren't even my um my symbol that isn't even my symbolism you Mm -hmm. know but 
And it's Ramzan right now. So I, I was thinking, like, I want to do something spiritual every day of Ramzan, even if it's not related to Islam at all, you know? Yeah. And so, like, watching Amazing Grace um, is is a deeply moving mm. spiritual experience. And then the other thing I want to say about birds <laughs> is I love it. I love that idea. And it's that thing I was talking about with symbolism, you know, and, like, what in a poem could mean. But so... I recently was trying to research why birds sing in the morning. Do you know why they supposedly, why scientists say they sing in the morning? Um, Have you ever researched on that? Or did we talk about this before? No, but I imagine that it has something to do with like establishing territory again or establishing yeah, like Yeah, to say you're alive. Yeah. It's like every morning they're seeing to be like, I'm still alive. So basically, don't take my nest or my right. eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it just makes me think about the idea of mortality and death, and it's like you wake up every morning and you sing. <laughs> yeah, well, that like, like <laughs> that. I feel like that this is a really a, a very unintentional, but really neat full circle moment. That <laughs> like when you're saying before that when you're writing poetry, you viewed it as your sort of your survival tool. That yeah, like, and I think in that way or you know that that it it can act as that sort of morning bird song of like i'm still here i'm still feeling stuff i'm still working yeah. things out i'm still like i'm still alive yeah and that's like i don't know i think it's 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 very intimate and very personal to view poetry that way and i i i think that all art probably operates on that that a similar function that like that that doing pursuing those creative endeavors if nothing else is a way for you to say it's like i'm still here feeling things and existing in the world and this is the this is the testament to like me still being alive yeah and my life matters even if i'm not religious yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's just like i think that there's definitely a way of like when you leave a certain world you're like but wait what who am i you know and my life matters and my path matters you know and yeah it matters so much i'm going to document it yeah yeah that there's <laughs> that there is an inherent value that because you are a a sentient like feeling creature that has the <laughs> has the ability to yeah. record their life that's like that the life that you live there's value to it like yeah that there is an inherent and intrinsic value to the things that you feel and the way that you see the world and the way that you exist in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, we, I can see how your conversations span into like more than ever, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I miss these conversations we all used to have. And I, you know, I, I think so thinking about the, when I was learned that that's why birds, that scientists say, you know, whatever, that's why birds sing in the morning. Um, but then it's, but then I, as I was reading about that, then they were talking about the mockingbird and they were like, but the mockingbird just kind of sings. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like usually towards the end of the day and it's, it's like more the like person going from town to town, sharing the news of <laughs> what they've heard, you know? So then there's like also those, re it's like, so I'm like, I want to have all those elements, you know, like because um, I used to live in a neighborhood with a lot of mockingbirds in Brooklyn, you know, mm. believe it or not. And it was just one of the things I miss kind of the most. I mean, I miss a lot of things about Brooklyn. But, you know, I, I do think that it's something that I, 
I would always look forward to at the end of the day was hearing how the mockingbirds were going to yeah. put all the car alarms and the <laughs> everything cuz they did they would have everything in there yep. you know there is uh, a um there's a <laughs> there's a tree that's sort of diagonal from where i'm sitting right now that um has there's at least one mockingbird in there it, it might be a family but they're they okay. sort of have claim over this like this section or the section that's right across from my window of the cemetery yeah. and it's really it's it's amazing in some mornings to see them like flitting out and chasing off other birds and like landing on a, um, like a sepulcher or something and flying back into the tree. <laughs> oh um, God. Wow. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. There's like, I, I grew up in a, a sort of like amateur birding family. Like we had bird books, we had binoculars, we had feeders in the, out in the back. So I, I grew up like heavily identifying birds. Um, wow. And it's always been something that there's a, um, I was actually, I, I applied to a residency recently and there, one of the things I had to, I had to, had to submit for the residency was a sort of synopsis of what I would be working on while I was there. And I was writing about this particular project and thinking that like, I think that one of the reasons why birds are sort of a, a focusing point for the collection that I'm working on right now is that like it's a struggle for me to sort of integrate the internal sort of abstract potentially spiritual like agenderness that i feel and the physical you know flesh and blood body that i'm in and yeah. i look at birds as at least in some way of the sort of ideal integration of those things that they are flesh and feather and you know, lungs and blood and purely mechanical things that can fucking fly. That they have they have access to this almost I don't know, it's like they 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 have access to the air and to the world in a way that feels spiritual to me. And mm. looking at them, I sort of maybe like spiritual or professional envy about birds is that they have like they're they have an integration in a way that I, up until now, I feel like has been sort of unattainable for me, and I it's it's been interesting thinking about birds and having them as because birds show up throughout the collection, but it's never the bird that the title is named for. <laughs> um, so if like let's say there's a I don't know there's like a red-tailed hawk as the title, the red-tailed hawk will never show up in that particular poem, but it will probably show up in other you know adjacent poems or something. Um, <laughs> it but, sounds like a great collection yeah i'm i'm it's it's been a it's a weird thing to like because i feel like i don't know i feel like a lot of the poetry that i've written up until now i don't know if there's been really a point to it not not that there is no point to it but the sort of like i'm a ostensibly white cis guy writing nature poems that you know it's like there are a lot of other people out there writing sort of nature poems and this collection is I think the first time that I felt like there was something that I'm I'm feeling that I might be or that I'm experiencing that I might be uniquely qualified to write about or that there's something of greater value that I can add to sort of a general conversation because I I have not actively sought this out but like I don't know I don't think I've read any poetry written by an agenda person about being agender and it's like well yeah. Like that's it, maybe not as it's as direct as I can write about it right now, which is still <laughs> relatively obtuse. Um, but I don't know. It's like it. I feel like I'm moving at least with this collection. I'm moving in a direction that I feel like is 
has more of an intrinsic value than other past things that I've, I've been writing, writing about. And I think, I don't know. I, I, I think that that might be one of the reasons why I'm allowing it to kind of snowball or continue to snowball because, you know, like if there's more things that I can say about it, I might as well get it all out now than, you know, writing a, another book years later. I don't know. I, I probably still will, but <laughs> whatever. I feel like I want to have like a whole other conversation about this, <laughs> all of it. And I want to just like be like, have you heard of this person? You know, but uh, we, it will, <laughs> we won't. Uh, you, I, 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 well, go ahead. I was going to say, I could, it would be, I, this would be the first time that I've done this, but would you, would you want to, yeah. we could do a part two to this at some, <laughs> at some point <laughs> later in the, in the, in the season. Sure. I know it took us a year to get this date, but I think that we can do it. And I think it was just a really intense year for me. But uh, now that uh, things are kind of wrapping up with the YA, I think I'll be able to. Yes, I would love to have a part two conversation because I, I think that and especially like let's yeah, let's have a part two. OK, I, we let's can we it. can we can talk after <laughs> after we get done recording about the logistics yes. of this. But OK. All right. Yes. Yeah. OK, cool. cool. Well, thank you, everyone out there for listening. Um is so poetry or is that what your your line <laughs> no no you're good <laughs> okay um and thank you busher thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to me today this is i've i've yeah. wanted to have you on for such a long time and i'm so glad that we finally got a chance to to sit down and, and talk shop a bit yeah yeah totally okay yay <laughs> okay Until well next time yes and for part two and for everyone out there listening um thank you so much and i'll talk to you next time